Hello everybody and welcome to the High Jiu Jitsu Podcast. What up? We've got Mr. Maddie on board here today. Uh, I believe this will be episode 10 of what's becoming a pretty cool podcast there, Maddie. It's quite enjoyable. There's been a whole bunch of people that, have, that are coming up to me that are complimenting us on our work in this podcast. And Mate, you're putting in more work than I. No, man, it's, it's both of us. We're coming here, we're, we're, we're talking, but hopefully we're adding value to people's jiu-jitsu journeys. I think that's the most important part. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in. And we have another mega exciting topic today. And it's a very interesting topic. The topic is when there's no choice but to change. Mm. It's on our high jiu-jitsu blog. And basically, we're just going to break down like my journey into jiu-jitsu. And just, I'd love to just share uh, the things that I got into it for, the things that I started doing it, the, the, the ways I started doing it. Um, and then what, after 13 years, I've kind of come out with. Um, there's a lot there, so let's get into it. What I'll also be doing is I'll be like, I'll read like excerpts of the blog and then we'll talk about it as we usually do. So my first, comp- my first ever competition came not three months into my jiu-jitsu learning. I was encouraged to enter and the thought of going up against somebody else was really cool, so I did it. I was winning my second match on points, even though I had no idea what was happening. Then an armbar came on hard, and I had no clue how to escape, so I gritted my teeth and I hoped for the best. My elbow talked, I heard a bunch of cracks, but I got it out. Ended up winning the match, and also not being able to move my arm for at least a few days after that. That was, uh, oh, I'd imagine, I think that was in 2008, really. Maybe 2000, no, 2007, probably. Um, and I remember that first ever comp, I competed with someone who used to train at the dojo, and he's now he's at, um, I think at Legacy, Stephen Bonori, his name was. And that was an awesome first time competing. And I remember that very clearly. And I can remember the adrenaline dump that hit me, Matty. Yep. Um, I lost the second, the next match of that tournament. Maybe the arm had something to do with it. Nevertheless, it was the biggest adrenaline dump I'd ever experienced in my life, and I was in love. After this, I ramped up my training, I scheduled out my strength and conditioning, and I was already dreaming about the trip to the Mecca of Rio, Mecca of Jiu-Jitsu, Rio de Janeiro. Now, I wanted to be a dominant Aussie champ that tore up on the world stage too. It's what fueled my life's choices for the next few years. I won some comps, I lost others, and I was determined to reach my goals regardless. Let's go back a step after this, Matty. Yep. Um, I have a question for you. What brought you into jiu-jitsu? Uh, I wanted to learn how to choke people. Yeah, okay. Here's a question. Before you started jiu-jitsu, did you know that there was jiu-jitsu competitions about? No. No? Yes. No, yes, I did. Yeah? Because I came in through Jesh. Oh, right. Yeah. How do you know Jesh? He used to be a PT where I uh, was at Fitness First. Oh, right. Um, I didn't PT with him, but like I knew him. I yeah, just yeah, knew yeah. him through the gym, and he was doing jiu-jitsu and introduced me to it. 
Jesh has always been very good. I know. Like right from the beginning, that guy was tough. Man, yeah, bit of a, uh, I mean, not intentional, bit of a, a sandbagger. Um, he was, he just never wanted to grade. He didn't care about grading. He just wanted to learn. Yeah. Like that, that, that was his attitude was just, yep, yeah, I just want to, I just want to train jiu-jitsu. He never graded. And so they didn't just give him a blue belt yeah. for like years. He was training like... Does he have a blue belt now? No, he's a purple belt now. Okay. Um, but, I mean, he was training three, four times a week for like nine years, winning state championships at, at consistently as a white belt for literally like five years. Yeah. And then, then they finally gave him a blue belt. It's like, all right. Well, that's another topic altogether. Um, <laughs> but yes, he's always been like just, just really good base. Yep. Um, I'll tell you, before I got into jiu-jitsu, I got into jiu-jitsu because I wanted to do MMA. And I thought you had to learn jiu-jitsu in order to practice MMA. And I never thought jiu-jitsu was competition. I remember up, like during those few months, I was training, I was learning. It's still, of course, a freshy white belt. Um, and then I think it was Anthony Elvis saying, do you want to compete? Like Almost like demanding I compete. And I was like, oh, I don't even know what a competition was. But in any case, like I went there, um, was just blown away. There were so many people screaming and shouting and um, all these moves happening, people getting thrown every which way and submitting and choking. And I had, it was, it was a completely new environment for me. Um, and that first comp, it just got me so excited. Uh, as we said just before, like I was, it, it, it it changed my path because I got so excited and so keen on it and I fell in love with the, with the feeling of winning that match. I was like, oh my, like I'd won and whatever I'd taken for me to get there, like a torqued arm, whatever, like I won the match, um, which doesn't mean anything right now, but at the time it meant a lot and it was beautiful and it was exciting. And then after that one tournament, Maddie, I went from trying to learn jiu-jitsu for self-defense because I never really intended to compete in jiu-jitsu. I wanted to learn it to fight. Mm. It went, it became, after that first tournament, it was me wanting to be the jiu-jitsu champion, you know, like, and not, the MMA got put to the side. I was like, well, this is awesome, you know, because I can, I can compete and I can put all my energies into that um, and I can just do MMA later, you know, I can, yeah. save the face punching for a little bit too because um, I I wanted to get really good at jiu-jitsu first and then transition to MMA yeah okay um, as I said on the blog I wanted to be a dominant Aussie champ that tore up on the world stage um, that was an interesting time because you know I even started getting into strength and conditioning and then you know from jiu-jitsu for self-defense it became okay I'm an athlete now how am I gonna comp- how am I gonna train? So rather than like going to the gym to build muscles, it became all about performance, you know. And um, that was a big just shift in in, in mentality. Uh, after my plan, worldwide jiu-jitsu dominance, I'd already concocted my foray into the mixed martial arts. Only then would I start to consider striking. I'd never thought about anyone punching me in the face during a jiu-jitsu role. It was, I thought it was only done with grips and points and podiums because that's what I was introduced to right from the beginning. 
like when we started doing BJJ at SPMA, there was no like strikes involved. There was no, you know, no. kick defenses. There was no like T position clinch. Um, there were takedowns. There were like you know chokes and arm bars and all of that stuff um, within the realms of the points, you yes. know, and and the position. I don't ever ever remember in jiu-jitsu being taught to consider uh, a punch mm-hmm. until our journey started with Pedro. I mean, it, yeah. You well, know. yeah. Well, Unless you did the MMA class. The MMA class, that's where, okay, you brought it all yeah, together. Yeah, you know, yeah. you put your Muay Thai with your Jiu-Jitsu and it your was, wrestling. It was a very separated, you know, compartmentalized mm-hmm. training style. Yes. You know, so it was here, this is just grapple. Because there's no punches, we're not even going to think about it. Yeah. Yes, because there's no punches in a competition, that means we're only going to train for the competition. Yes. Yeah, um, and of course at the time we didn't know any different, and I was like, okay, this this is jujitsu, sweet. Let's train. Let's let me put all my energies into it. Yeah. And for me, all of my energies at the time was okay, like win tournaments and get better, get better by winning tournaments. Mm. To win or to survive. Jujitsu is only a grappling art, or so we thought. My training wasn't a means for learning self-defense or for how to fight in a real encounter, but to win a tournament. Before I started jiu-jitsu, it wasn't to win tournaments, but the moment I got into jiu-jitsu, it, it just kind of, uh, I just flowed into this idea of becoming a champ and winning gold medals with my jiu-jitsu. Uh, at this stage, I assumed Gracie jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu were the same thing with a different name. And I thought you're dreaming if you could win a real fight only with jiu-jitsu. The Gracies were always the other guys were going up against, so I never considered learning more about their system either. Um, as in, we were the Machados, Matty. Yeah. You know, old SPMA days. Machado. Uh, represent Machado. Machado family. Yeah. And then, you know, we had, we are going up against Gracie Sydney and... Um, Gracie Baja. Gracie Baja. Yep. Um, and so for me, I didn't know what Gracie... I thought Gracie was just like the other the other teams. Yes. You know, um, and I never really understood what Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was. I never understood the difference between Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um... What do you think the difference is, Matty, between BJJ and Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? Well, I think we had kind of just nailed it uh, in that com- conversation we just had. You've got one which is compartmentalized. This is Jiu-Jitsu. We're not striking. This is there's no strikes in competition, so we're gonna. That's what we're training for. Yeah. And there's Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which isn't uh, training for competition or for a gold medal. Yeah. It's training for survival. Okay. Survival where? Everywhere in in life, it's training for life. In general, yeah. Well, it's very interesting. I think we've got to be careful with our words here because I think it's also like a um, a fiery debate too. Oh, absolutely, you know, because everybody on either side has like no, mm-hmm. you know, I'm right or they're right or everyone's got a lot of people have an opinion on this. Mm-hmm. This doesn't sound like it's working so well. Hello, yeah, I think that might be a bit better. Let me just check it out, people. Apologies. Okay, um, it wasn't until I seriously injured my shoulder that things started to shift. My world, had, jiu-jitsu world had been turned upside down. I, after I tore my shoulder, like right off, tore my arm off, off of the shoulder and the, the, that tear left me with no cartilage in the joint. And it meant, Maddie, that my jiu-jitsu couldn't, I had to really think about things in a different way. 
because when I was a white belt and a blue belt, and it was all just about, you know, like, um, results, win the comp. It wasn't like, hey, let's do it with finesse. It wasn't like, hey, let's slow things down and learn a little bit better. It was always very much about um, win, win the match, like score your points. Even in roles, we were told to, to, um, to count, you know, how many points we were scoring off of each other. Uh, and then when I hurt my shoulder, Maddie, it, it, I had to take away that sporting aspect because no longer for me, it was hard for me to win. I came back after like eight, like, it was like six, seven months after no training. My arm had been in a sling. My right arm, going from like chiseled deltoids and big biceps, went to like a, a humerus bone. <laughs> yeah. And that was about it. Um, and my whole arm was like the size of my wrist after after like I finished with like the sling. Uh, and it was tough. So I went back to jiu-jitsu then. And suddenly the people that I was always competing against to win, I was like, hey man, let me just train let's just roll light so that I don't hurt myself again because I, I got not even half of the strength left in my arm and if I if I fight the way I used to fight I'm going to hurt myself again mm. and the surgeon had already told me he said if you go back to jiu-jitsu if you pop the shoulder one more time you're going to be in big big trouble like major trouble it's like one of these injuries is like is like you could deal with like two of these injuries you're gonna have a major problem so I didn't want to stop competing and training hard and pushing myself and striving for better performance I fought it I tried valiantly to get back to where I was and I wasn't like smashing through the way I used to smash through but it just wasn't working arthritis would tell me no uncertain terms that it was not to be messed with as the surgeon had said, if I wasn't careful, I'd be back to him in no time. Something had to change. I still wanted jiu-jitsu in my life. I needed jiu-jitsu in my life. But this time, I clearly understood the risk of injury. I'd experienced the impact of injury, and I was determined to avoid a repeat of it. Now, what we're talking about, Maddie, is this idea of like BJJ as that sporting endeavor you know where you're coming in and you're like i want to win gold medals i want to be first i wanted to become a world champion i wanted to do all that and then suddenly i had this nasty injury and it kind of like knocked those goals like a little bit um and suddenly i had a bit of a different motivation yes that was different because no longer like winning the next tournament wasn't at the forefront of my thoughts anymore. You know, it was at the forefront, not having, not needing to quit. Just I, being able I, to do jiu-jitsu again. I loved it. I yeah. love it like so much, and I loved it at the time too. And my surgeon actually said, like, don't you shouldn't do jiu-jitsu again because you're gonna hurt your shoulder again. Um, and so when I got back to training, I was like, hold on, I don't even want to fight with you guys. Let me just let me just enjoy this practice for a little bit. And I found that I couldn't, like, in an environment that was just so geared towards comp like it was like uh, maybe it was also me maybe the fact that maybe I'd come come over the guys like too hard previously or something and then now that I was a little bit less um, able that I, I just found that it was very difficult to slow things down and very difficult to do jiu-jitsu in a way other than wanting to win all of the time you didn't know anybody you never trained in a different mindset 
So at what point, how, how many years down your jiu-jitsu journey were you at this point? Uh, I think seven years down. Okay, so seven years less three months because it was three months you went to your first competition. Yeah. That's still six, six and a half years of training of, uh, in one way. You've got to untrain those habits then. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. That's all you've got. It's all I had, exactly. It's all I had. Mm. And I, I had to start again. And that was scary. <laughs> I wanted to find a way of doing jiu-jitsu that allowed me to work around my injury, that kept me safe, that, I was, that ensured I was still effective, yeah. and that I was enjoying being on the mats. As you said, like it's a tall order and it's way easier doing what you know with what you have. But I also knew my ability to live the jiu-jitsu lifestyle was riding and doing things different. And with such stakes at play, it wasn't a challenge that I was backing down from. Do you know when you like, how much do you love jiu-jitsu, Matty? Oh, 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah, as in like, like if most times of the day, like I'm thinking about jiu-jitsu and thinking about, you know, like the sweep that someone caught on me or, you know, the little escape that Oscar used to get out of my triangle, for example, yeah. or what I did well in the class, or how I taught class, or something like jujitsu is very regularly, regularly there. It's at the forefront of your mind. Yeah, and you know, I found that you take competition away from it, and I still loved it. Like I still loved everything about it, and I still wanted to be there. I still wanted to do it. There are a lot of people who train in, who still do, and have trained in those the, where we started. You know, competition gyms. With, who never have the intent on competing. Yes. Yeah, you know, they love it. And that's fine too. Absolutely. That's, that's totally fine. Um, not everyone wants to compete. Not everyone wants to compete. Not everyone has to compete. But the other way is... Uh, some, not everybody... I think... Uh, finesse in jiu-jitsu is elusive. It's very hard to find. And if you want to do jiu-jitsu without hurting yourself and without like putting a lot of, a lot uh, and of unnecessary really impact on your joints and on your body, and if you want to minimize injuries, then you really need to, th- you need to put technique at the forefront, mm. not results per se. You know what I mean? Because back before my injury, I wouldn't care if I smashed through your guard. Whereas after injury, if I put too much pressure, I tried as well. I was trying to go back to training the way I did and it ended up sore for weeks because my shoulder was like, no, you're not. No, that's not happening. It was just in so much pain. It still is. If I, if I do something a little bit off, even if I get swept and I post too hard on my right shoulder, it hurts for days afterwards. Like, and there's, there's issues there. And so that was my dilemma at the time, just kind of trying to bring this back in. Um, Keeping jiu-jitsu as part of my life, but also doing it in a way that was sustainable and a way that I could stay on the mats for a long time because I realized what was most important and that was the practice of doing jiu-jitsu and it wasn't winning in jiu-jitsu. Make sense? Yep. So, jiu-jitsu for a lifetime. Uh, Dao Te Ching, in the Dao Te Ching, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Around that time, Maddie, I like I got really like injured myself, and then I was I think it was about 
nine, ten months afterwards, like just like my training wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. Um, and then one of my good friends that I'd met in Greece like that year, um, we, we hung out for ages in Greece. And he's, he used to work at the PCYC. And he's like, John, he's like, you know, we've got a whole space, whole mat space free. He's like, come in and just, because um, I told him how much I love jujitsu and that I really want to start an academy one day. And he's like, well, come in, here's your spot, come do it. Yep. And uh, I came in to the, here to, the, to Wollo. <clears throat> I saw the mats, the beautiful mats, beautiful room, um, wasn't hardly being used. Uh, so that's when I, that's when the days that we started the commune. So yep. in the commune, like I had a, a new environment. I was like, wow, okay, we can we can practice together, and we can create a, a way of doing jujitsu that allows us to um, to stay safe, you know, and that allows like friends to come in and just train together for the fun of doing jujitsu. Um, and that's that's where I was at in my head. Uh, and funnily enough. This was around the same time that I encountered teachers that embodied exactly what I longed to know. First, it was Steve Maxwell who made the random cameo in our academy one year. So I think I'd been running it for like like months, if not like a year or something. And then one morning I was preparing to come into class and I was doing some work or something before at home. And I got a random call from a Hawaii number. And I picked it up. I'm like, oh. He's like, hey, hey. Hey, is this John Smolios? I'm like, yeah, who's this? He's like, hey, it's Steve Maxwell calling. Hey, I'm a fifth degree black belt in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu under Hells and Gracie. It's like, what? Steve, Steve Maxwell? I'm like, I know, I know who you are. I've been following Steve for a very long time. Um, and we're having a chat. We're talking for ages. And he, um, he goes, well, hey, he's like, I'm in, this, I'm in town. I'm really close to your, your school. I was wondering if I can come by and... Um, you know, um, come in and do some training. He's like, I'd be more than happy to share class. I said that you're a purple belt and I'm a black belt fifth degree. So if you want me to take class, I'm more than happy to. I said, um, yes, yes, and yes. Like, please, please come in and train uh, and, and share us and share um, what you know with us. Uh, and he came in and he opened my eyes and our, all of our eyes, I believe, to the Ilya Gracie Jiu Jitsu curriculum. Yep. Uh, he, was a, he was a funny guy. He was he, a very interesting person. Mr. Steve. Class by class, he would demonstrate the techniques of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and stress the importance of protecting yourself in training. What do you remember from those days of Steve, Mateo? Uh, uh, I remember him wrist-locking me really hard. All right. <laughs> I, I just remember I, I questioned something he said because, I, you know, not, not to challenge it, but just, uh, you know, get an understanding of, okay, well, what if, what if, I, I did the old what if. And then he just started like finger locking me, wrist oh, right. locking me, like all yeah, while yeah. I'm standing up. But it definitely opened my eyes to the idea of jujitsu from when standing up as well. That's not just pulling guard. Yeah. Uh, so understanding, hey, you can just wrist lock someone. Hey, you can arm lock someone while you're standing. Mm -hmm. um, some of the very basic for self defense things like coming over, yep. leg up, armbar. What about uh, stand up in base? Like I didn't even know. I hadn't known stand up in base then. And he taught, he taught me stand up in base. I was like, whoa, that was, that was really interesting at the time. Yeah, okay. Had you ever heard of stand up in base before then? Who knows? But just basic things. I remember Steve, he'd share stories of fights in Philly. Yes. You know, his, yep. old, his old Gracie challenges. Because Steve had um, Maxercise. And Maxercise was the first Jiu-Jitsu Academy on the Eastern Seaboard in the United States. And... 
um, he'd have people coming in doing greasy challenges and so these were proper fights and f- Steve was like telling us about winning fights using just jiu-jitsu and I was like whoa and you know what man? I think I was a bit late to the party I didn't I'd watched UFC but like ultimate fighter days I never really watched the Hoist Gracie days mm. I wasn't I think I was maybe a bit too young I was too busy watching my Rocky videos <laughs> <laughs> to watch Hoist um, and so I didn't really have that idea, you know. I didn't know that that's what, that that was one application of jujitsu that it was compute com- utterly purely self defense based as well. Um, and that was cool. That was awesome. And then Steve, you know, thankfully he took me on his Aussie seminar tour, and we got to train, um, and I got to meet a lot of other people's people. And I was immersed in his methods of mobility and strength training and how to be lean and ripped. Um, and healthy like he was. We even conjured up the idea of jiu-jitsu for a lifetime together. Now he's like running it as a seminar all around yeah. the world, which is beautiful. And during um, one seminar in Melbourne, we're at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Temple Stowe. We're doing like a, a, a breathing and mobility seminar with Steve. I met this one big, bold Greek fella. Yep. It was an impeccable bee he had, and he called me Malaka twice in two minutes. <laughs> We've been mates ever since. Phil was a black belt and clearly obsessed with jiu-jitsu, just like me. Only difference was that he had way more, he had serious skills and a slick understanding of the mechanics behind it as well. I remember us talking and he was saying, oh, where are you from there? Oh, you know, Sydney, I have my own school. He's like, oh, sick. So we started training a little bit. He's like, yeah, let me show you a couple of things. And he just blew my brain. From that very moment, just blew my head. Um, and that was amazing. And then a couple months later after that, I heard Professor Sal was coming to Sydney. And I and Steve, uh, sorry, Phil had told me that his teacher's Pedro Sawa, and I'd actually never heard of Pedro Sawa before that time, to be honest. To be completely honest. Sorry, Professor Coral Bill, I still didn't know about you. Because I, I was at the time, Maddie, I was like, I knew Marcelo Garcia, and I knew Andre Galvao, and I knew Bouchesha, and all these world champions. And Professor had never done, he'd never competed before. Uh, well, might have. Comp- I don't know if he's competed. He's done like challenge matches and stuff, you know. <laughs> that's that's competing at the end of the day. That's competing too, yeah, but Mr. Utah is competing. I just I don't think he, he hasn't got a IBJJF world title to his name, you know. So at that time, according to what I was exposed to, I had never heard of yeah, Professor yeah. Sauer. so I didn't really know what um, his jiu-jitsu was all about. Um, so it was a no-brainer that I was going to attend. Um, and looking back, looking back on that time, it was, it was the moment that consolidated my understanding of what Gracie Jiu-Jitsu really is. Uh, here's a question, Maddie. Oh. Question, let's leave the question for the moment. Because I, I, I think that question is going to be a little bit more relevant a bit later. But do you remember that time? Like that time when we started like that little transition? Because it was commune days and it was commune yeah. without any affiliation. And I first started, I didn't want to have an affiliation because I wanted everybody to come in and train and be happy and be, you know, and it was all good. And minus all the stupid due to politics that are always everywhere. Um, I didn't want any of that to happen. Uh, but do you remember this? I like, do. At that time? Yeah. Was, I, you were saying that last time you... That was around the time when you um, smashed your face against the, uh, you were, the skateboarding oh, accident. Oh, dude, the skateboarding accident. Yeah. I think... I think Steve... It was just after Steve came the first time. Yeah. That that happened. The, the skateboard. Yeah, well... Uh, 
Yeah, I do remember it. It was nice. That's that's where it all began for me as well. That's mm-hmm. where it all began to change on my side. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I was the same. I followed the same path. It was a lot of competition, um, your competition focus, that's for sure. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the coolest thing for that was punch block defense just from standing up. Like, that was probably one of the things that stood out the most. Punch block, yeah. Just like, hey, stand up punching, blocking, and how you can use blocking a punch to close the distance. Yes. And um, you close the distance. Even when someone's throwing bombs at you, Absolutely. You can still come in, clinch. Hey, you can't throw punches at me when we're clinching. Control Wait. hands. You don't have to, not worrying about grips. Instead of worrying about punches to the face and eye gouges and fish hooks and like like all of this stuff. And like to think that we had didn't have any understanding of what was going on there. Mm. And then to think that we thought we knew self defense at the time too. We thought we were like because we're martial artists. I'm learning BJJ. I've won like some white belt and blue belt and purple belt tournaments, but. No, hardly ever did at that time did we think about how to stop a punch from coming to our face yeah. on the ground even standing even like all of it we only been ho- like sharpening our, sh- our swords we hadn't been you know polishing our shields yes and still sharpening the sword within the within the battlegrounds of jiu jitsu yes like we were completely exposed here's the, here's the thing we were exposed to jiu jitsu versus jiu jitsu from day one and me and you, we stuck at it because we're we were young and dumb at the time. We we're like, yeah, this is this sounds awesome. This is sweet. You know, we we get to grapple with people and rumble and that's that, fun. That was fun. It was definitely fun. Um, and then now going like into the Steve Maxwell realm, into Professor Sauer realm, we start talking about and start realizing the importance of self defense. Firstly, we learned that it's all about self defense. Which makes sense, you know, if you think about what's martial arts about? Self-defense, right? Yeah. Um, And and, and using jiu-jitsu as a means to protect yourself in any situation is the inherent meaning of jiu-jitsu and the martial arts. Like safety, safety first, protect yourself, defend yourself. In Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, you're not playing one style and then the other. You're not thinking about points and medals sometimes and then MMA rules the next. When you're practicing martial arts, you always need to consider how to defend yourself. That's the inherent goal. Even when you're doing Jiu-Jitsu Kong. Don't die. Don't die. Yeah, and if you're getting choked, you're gonna die. If you get your arm broken. You're gonna die. Well, you might not, but. You won't die, but. I mean, out on the street you would, if someone broke your you're arm You're not on defending the street. yourself there. You have to defend your, your joints, your Absolutely. limbs, your consciousness, all of that. Defend your ability to use your arm for the rest of your life. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that as Gracie Jiu-Jitsu practitioners, we don't like to compete or roll. We can do all of those. We can. However, when you think about competing and rolling, playfully even, whatever, um, there's always a thought in your head as to, okay, what can this person do to me? Yes. And if I'm rolling with you and I'm like, you know, rolling on my head, for example, and my head is completely exposed and my parts are completely exposed to, to, to hits and knees and elbows, and if I don't know what you're doing with your mouth, for example, you know, you could be biting me somewhere, um, these are all things that I have to think about. And that's that's a consideration, okay, of, okay, let me do jiu-jitsu, but let me make sure that I'm not going to get hit in the nuts or, you know, or 
Um, when I'm in close guard, I want to make sure that this person cannot hit me, even if they aren't allowed to. Yep. You know. Um, so, like, when Professor, so what Professor does, and this is why I love training and working with Professor so much, is because we think about competing, we think about playing and doing jiu-jitsu whilst thinking about it as the actual fight. Yes. Do you know what I mean? We're simulating a real fight. Even though we're not kicking and punching, we, we're pretending that the person can kick and can punch. Yes. Which means we need a, a kind of jiu-jitsu that's going to stop us from getting hit too. Is this making sense so far? Yes. Yeah? So a little bit two birds with one stone. Like, so the, 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 the techniques that, we're lear- that, we're, that we learn aren't in the major rabbit hole of, of competition. Like if we were only to focus on competition, maybe like our training would probably di- would be different. Play a lot more deep half. Yes. Yeah, we do all of that stuff. The stuff that like wins points. Yeah, if I expose Because that's the face. goal, to win, a, to win the points, to yeah. win the tournament. Absolutely. And if, the, if it was only like self-defense, then we wouldn't, you know, be um, rolling the way that we do after class. And we do that a lot of times because it's fun. We get to Correct. practice our grappling skills too. Like that nogi class that we did today, I didn't talk about punches then at the time. Actually, I did. See? Inherent. But in any case, um, when you're grappling with somebody, your brain is always geared into this idea of self-defense. Um, like, for example, when you show the professor a technique, he'll judge it by it's a, the effectiveness, how it's done with leverage, and how much it keeps you safe against any style of opposition. So learn a new technique and think to yourself, can I get cracked in the face with this technique? Am I exposed? Am I vulnerable to this person, to whatever this person wants to do? And if it's a yes, but it works in comp and it doesn't work in self-defense, then if I were you, I'd probably flick it to the side a little bit and not really build that into my habitual game and instead I would think about how I can do it in a way that keeps me safe against strikes and that becomes effective when we're rolling when we're grappling it's the ultimate self-defense well that's what yeah exactly that's what has to happen Um, rather than having one game for competition one for MMA we do jiu-jitsu that's all-encompassing if the Berimbolo would get you killed on the street, why would you really try to make it a part of your jiu-jitsu game if you're not going to use it when the shit hits the fan? Do you know what I mean? Because you can you can sweep somebody another way without being stuck on your head or like rolling underneath the person or exposing your head. Sorry, I just had a like visual image of trying to Berimbolo in a car park. Like imagine on like the road that like asphalt material trying to pull a barren bowl on someone and then they just go bang on the on the that'd be nasty they just sit on you and compress you that'd be very nasty um and like a lot of a lot of positions in sport like you can just get proper cracked and a lot of positions in sport would work nicely in self-defense too Mm, absolutely we need to my whole point about this podcast is that we need to have that question we need to question is this applicable in this part is this applicable you know in this other environment Mm. Um, you know sure the bearing bowler might trick the opposition and again so will another type of guard game that also keeps you away from an opponent's strikes and their ill intentions too the goal is to have a style of jiu-jitsu they can use anywhere and everywhere with minimal adjustments 
because we have one brain and it's hard to kind of say, okay, I'm switching, I'm, this is my self-defense cap on now and this is my competition cap on now. Um, like have one, way, have one way of doing things that adapts to each realm rather than having three completely ways of different ways of doing things. Um, is this making sense, Maddie? Certainly is. Leverage is life. If you do jiu-jitsu in the way it was intended by the Grandmaster Elio Gracie, you can continue to practice right till the end, just like he did. Gracie jiu-jitsu can be practiced as a sustainable martial art for life because you're always looking to find leverage in every situation. What's the other part? You know, it's, it's not just self-defense of, uh, of, of the situation now, but also self-defense of your body for the future. Yes, so it's not—it's not, not self-defense about you know fisticuffs with another person, mm. and it's not just about competition and trying to win the matches. It's about what happens after you finish training too. You know, yes. and 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 how can you apply jujitsu in your everyday life? Hey Amen. I've seen so many little things, right? But even just you know movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, using a, a single leg teeter totter sounds silly, but a single leg teeter totter to get out of bed every morning. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I just feel like I know I'm getting up in a way that's safe for my body. Sounds silly, but it's good mechanics, man. And good mechanics, like you can learn them on the mats. And then the ultimate goal for me as a coach is to help you take them off the mats too, and use them in your everyday life. I think I technical stand up all the time now. Yeah, that's see, that's that's just life, right? This is, how do we stand up? Which other way do you have to stand up? <laughs> how no else other can way. I? I no other way. There's only one way. Uh, Man, that's a lot of weird ways. You see people stand up sometimes. Yeah. You're like, how did you do that? Yeah, no, right. <laughs> I have no not, idea what you just did. That did not look like healthy for your spine, yeah. for your legs, for your knees. But you got up. Um, <laughs> Man. Sorry. Like your muscles... Your athleticism in BJJ, that's a big strength. I have a question for you on that. Yeah. Do you need to be an athlete to compete? I know it's a little bit off topic, but it's a very big. No, I think you can. I think you can be. No, I think you can go to a comp and then look. It's a competition, and people want to win. And you're gonna go. You're going into battle. You're willingly going into battle, which is that's what you. That's what you signed up for. And that's what your opponent signed up for yep. too. So fine. But do you need to be an athlete to compete? No, I don't know. Like, what's an athlete? Do you need to be big and strong to compete? Like, no. Well, that's the, that's the thing, right? Do you need to be like a, like a bull to compete? No. Like, there's many ways of doing it and there's many ways of being good at it. Mm. And like, that's what I want us to, to kind of think about and hopefully like our you listeners can kind of take something away from that too in that um, you don't always have to be you don't have to always engage your will your will doesn't always win you tournaments like will definitely helps to win tournaments but if the focus of your training especially from a young like starting like from, from from the beginning of your journey if you're focusing on will then somebody else's techniques are gonna come over the top and beat yours for sure. So that's what I'd love for our students to go in. That's what Professor says. Is that you're going to compete, man. Have fun. Don't get hurt. Yeah. That's it. Just have fun and don't get hurt. 
He's saying, go do your jiu-jitsu, do what you have to do, but don't put so much emphasis on it that you know, you're going to sacrifice your joints. And of course, accidents happen too, which is a lot of the injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, they're accidents. But again, if you do a kind of jiu-jitsu that allows you to def- protect yourself against accidents, see, accidents, they are, they're, sure, they're accidents, um, but it's, it could be a little bit of carelessness as well sometimes. And you, sometimes you're reckless. And sometimes accidents come because people go wild and they don't have any control of themselves or their limbs or yep. where, where they're putting things. And before you know it, the guy's like going crazy and doesn't think about it. And there you go, boom, the knee comes into your face. You know, or, and if we trained in a way that was a little bit slower and a little bit more methodical, that I can guarantee that accidents will slowly like, be minimized. Not brought to, a, to an end, no way. That's, uh, you know, that'd be tough. But accidents can also be minimized Absolutely. according to how you... Um, how you train yes yeah uh, uh, yeah yeah I'm just thinking you know, to, to go into that point jiu-jitsu is a thinking man's game at the end of the day it's, you, mm-hmm. you, it's, it's more about being smart than athletic so you don't need to be an athlete to compete you just yes. got to be technical but look here's the thing and that's the thing about the competition that's the other difference about Gracie's jiu-jitsu is that you know oftentimes we roll without a timer for a reason that's something else that Steve brought in. He's like, man, just just train, just roll. You don't need a timer. Yeah. So, whereas if you know, if you're like, if we train like with five minutes on the mat, on the like on the timer, then I'm gonna use my athleticism and hold out and just use the time in order to win. Mm. Whereas it's like, is it survive? Is it a fight for survival or is it a fight to win? And there's very often there, like there's a there's a difference to that. And a lot of people think it's just it's one of the same thing, but it's not. It's not because if I went into a tournament and I lost the match, but I just I came out with a few things to learn from and without injury, mm-hmm. then I and I had fun. I enjoyed myself. Sure, it's more fun to win than it is to lose, but I still no had fun. I still in, huh? There's no disagreement no, with that. No, but at least I enjoyed myself and I got some learning experiences. Um, and I could come back onto the mat the very next day and train. Um, and I think that's a really, really important aspect of it as well. So, you know, there's no doubt that your athleticism and your muscles help, but your athleticism and your muscles eventually expire. And if we're doing jiu-jitsu for a lifetime, then we have to prepare ourselves for the future. You have to prepare yourself and your technique and your jiu-jitsu for the 60-year-old self, the 70-year-old you. Because if you're gonna be on the mats at 50 and 60 and 70, you're not gonna, and you're gonna have these little 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds coming at you, the way you're currently coming at people, you know, then your technique has to be sharp as hell. I'd like to to think that when I'm 60, I'm gonna be in a gym, with the right attitude where the 30 year olds aren't coming at me in that regard like with athleticism where they are, they understand or they can they have the the, con- the ability to consciously move and roll in a way that respects the 60 year old true and i also don't want anyone to take it take it easy and lightly on me either true um, in, because i want to have the the, the ability not even if this guy wants to go ham on me i'm just keep staying safe mm. Slamming, I don't want, I'm not going to let him slam me. I'm going to be connected to him the whole time. There's no way he's bringing me up and lifting me up to slam me. 
Do you know what I mean? Like I'm always preemptive. And that's that's jiu-jitsu for survival, jiu-jitsu for self-defense. Even though we're playing jiu-jitsu, we're playing jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu, but it's still for self-defense right there. Um, And that's why we say leverage is life because your jiu-jitsu can always get better and it's gonna have to get better. If you wanna be doing this stuff for a long time, uh, your technique must get better. You have to learn how to use your bones because muscles are gonna go. I can already feel it, it's weird, I know, I'm sorry, I'm only 31 next month, but I always always feel like my physicality has changed. Maybe because my jiu-jitsu has changed. I was talking talking to Phil about this as well. Maybe like my, with the injuries that I have, maybe my age, maybe my experience on the mats and my abilities, as those factors have changed, I feel like my jiu-jitsu has changed so much lately to the point where if we're like, if we're in a transition and we're in a scramble, or if I'm like, have to work particularly hard to get a sweep or something, what I'm doing now more than ever before is I'm just letting it go. I'm always, I'm being extremely, um, uh, I discriminate between certain efforts. Like if I yeah. want to sweep you and like it's just gonna take work and I can't adjust it, I might just leave it and go to something else. Like yeah. maybe it's lazy man jiu-jitsu. Maybe it's because I'm on the mats like, like 40, 50 hours a week or something like that and I'm training like all the time. But I'm not really giving everyone like my, I can't give everyone my energies because by the end of the yeah, night, you, you, you just my energies are sapped. I don't have it. any left. So I just got to kind of stay safe. So it's really picking your moments, right? Really so you have to pick your moments. Really yes. Picking, like, That's what has to happen. Like I just pick my moments now. So stay safe, um, pick my moments and then decide when, to, when it is to strike. You know, and you can't always be striking. And when I was 21 and 22, I'd just be like throwing attacks so anywhere and everywhere. It's like a machine gun, just going anything. Like I wouldn't discriminate at all. I'd just be like, just go forward, 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 forward. That was only that's the only way forward. Yep. Man, I feel I feel like I can identify with that so much. Yeah, that's all you have. And that's why I like this title of this podcast is when there's no choice but to change. Because to be honest, everybody eventually is going to have no choice but to change. Mm. That's it. Time will time will catch up for you. (sighs) How do you stop it? You can't stop it. You don't stop it. You just have to adapt yourself to it. Embrace it. You have to embrace it. Um, no matter how much time you spend in the gym, no matter how much protein you eat per kilo of body weight, senescence is a real process. What does it even mean? And you're currently going through it. You know what it is? Just the aging process. Ah. Yeah. I, uh, it's a fancy I, I, word for aging. Yeah. Well, I remember... Getting old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Let's get a... <laughs> Uh, dictionary definition Uh, because I learned this in the PN so PN is just like as a human we have a finite amount of time on this earth and after every day like things just start to work yeah the conditional process of deterioration with age senescence um, is happening to everybody with every single day and if we don't consider it then we're going to be left behind as we get older and you know what happens when you get left behind Maddie? This has happened to heaps, many, many, many people. They are the hammer as they are younger. Mm. And they might get to a higher belt or something and they don't change. But then what happens is as they start to get older, the new generation come in, they can't keep up anymore, can they? Because they don't want to change. So we you know what happens if you don't change? 
you start getting hammered yourself. Or, and? You quit. And then you quit. That's it. That's what happens. You quit. Because it sucks getting slammed all the time. And it sucks having bigger, stronger people coming in and bashing you. And it sucks if you don't have a way forward and a way to alleviate that. Mm. Whereas if you learn how to do jiu-jitsu, A, with your bones, and always in search of leverage, and if you look to play jiu-jitsu at, at some point, then you can learn the technique that's required in order to keep these bigger, stronger people off of you. Mm. Yeah, and these younger people um, off of you. Try train with Professor now. See, you reckon you'll do well? No. That guy, no way. <laughs> even with the injuries that he's got, like his level of technique has gone just so far beyond anybody else's that I've ever seen, that it's really like like just stunning. Mm. And the way he's done that is because he had to change. You know, he he injured his two shoulders. He's got like knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries, um, and then he said that he had to, he it was either like change or die like get off the mats or change what you're doing mm. you know and, and, and do jiu-jitsu in a way that's going to keep you um, safe relative to the limitations that you currently have mm. you know some people can also as they get older you know what other people do they just jump on the juice just to keep up but how long can you do that for how, how sustainable is that how, sustainable how, good, how is good is that? that for your heart it's not good for your heart in your 20s or 30s it can't be good for you as you get older but sometimes you got to do that because if your if your um, ways are solely based on that athleticism, mm. then as we're saying, that is going to expire. So you, sometimes you, people, there's no choice but to change. You can manage it, but you can't stop it. Instead, people prepare for those days now by focusing on technique. When you're focusing on learning the technique the leverage points will become more obvious to you and you'll become accustomed to finding the leverage much more regularly. Maddie, how has your technique changed? Let's say from before Pedro Sauer and us affiliated till now, how do you think your jiu-jitsu has changed up? Uh, very significantly. I think I've gone from a uh, bottom game to a top game. Yeah. So just overall, I, I, now, I used to hate, not hate being on top, but I used to think it was all it had to be guard I, I wanted to play off my back and now it's just pretty much accepting that hey I, it's actually easier to lie on people than yeah. it is to be laid on yeah um you know <laughs> true that. It, that that's probably the biggest thing and the other one and maybe more recently like it's probably taken only in the last year and a half maybe two years uh i feel as though it's what's the word for it i it's less about me taking what i want yeah and more about me taking what's given to me Yes. If yes. You know, is in what we've been talking about the whole time. It's self-defense. All right. I'm not going to just overexert myself, put my arms wherever I want to grab onto you and go. I'm sweeping you. It's all right. You're sitting back. I can't really do too much. But oh, your knees up. You're going to step forward. Cool. All right. I'll take you that way because you're giving me that. Yes. Like that's what's that's what's being presented. Mm. I, I agree, man. Like I used to have a game. This is early, early days. And of course, man, I've, I've been training for freaking 12, 13 years and um, our technique has naturally improved as well. Yes. But the mentality has changed. I think that's Absolutely. the biggest thing. So before I would have had a game and I'm always bringing the people to my game. 
if the person doesn't let me come into their game, then I'm in a world of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now I'm just thinking, okay, how do, what's, how do I align myself and how do I connect to my partner and then see wherever they go, I'll go with them. Um, and when they make a mistake, I'm there to pounce. I think there, there, there's, the t- transition isn't necessarily easy either. Uh, I mean that on the ego. Yep. Because all of a sudden you might go from being in a position where you're submitting people a lot more often uh, but also probably getting submitted as you know a lot more as well, like getting caught out or you know being in poorly positioned on your spine or whatever yeah. it is, bad positions for yourself. So accepting that, hey, I'll probably catch a few less submissions, but I'm going to be safer in the long run. A hundred percent. And so it's as an ego blow, ego hit. It's like, oh, I'm not as good as I used to be, but I know that if I follow this path for long enough, all of the submissions will open back up for me. You know what? That's exactly what happened to me. Like, I feel like when I jumped on board with Phil and Professor, I feel like I, I dropped in levels. But now I've gone, like, exponentially better than what I used to be. Yeah. I had to drop, though. I had to, like, eat dirt. Mm. And, like, I, I knew what to do from guard, but I didn't know how, you know, how to do it in a way that controlled the person's hands, for example. Yeah. You know, I, I loved half guard. I loved deep half. I'd be way to, way to sweeping everybody. Yeah. And now... I can't take myself seriously when I'm under there and I have somebody just looking at me with their hands there and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to sweep you. Yeah, I'm just holding your leg. Yeah, I'm just holding your leg and I'm smiling at you and you could like just put your fist right through my nose right now, but you can't because the rules don't let yeah. you, so I'm going to sweep you now. Hey, you got my two points. Like I can't take that. I play around with that stuff sometimes, but like it's always just an exception to what we usually yeah, I, do I, I don't go for it but every now and then I'll catch a bear and ball on someone yeah it's not like it's hey I'm gunning for that yeah it's just for some unknown reason something's happened and it's like oh it's there why not you know yeah. and that's fine man and that like that's what BJJ people don't get upset at us you can if you want I don't care no, but, but I play BJJ but too. we're not yeah we're not talking junk on the BJJ as long as we understand that it's a, it's a different it's just a different mentality yes you know it's a different mentality um, uh, I, I know what I prefer <laughs> I know what I prefer and that's it um, because when, like, when a strong person comes across a problem in their training he can grit his teeth and he can force through it this doesn't work as well when you're older, injured, tired, sore so prepare, prepare for those times now by improving on that technique that way when you get older you're focused on leverage and not muscular force Maddie, this is Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. It's been about four years since we've made the switch. Now, Maddie, there's no going back. Nah, no way. I've drank the Kool-Aid. Have you? Yep. <laughs> it's hard, but I'm, I'm trying. I feel like I, I'm, I'm force feeding it to everyone. I'm trying to be like, here, drink it. Drink yeah, drink. Come to Jiu-Jitsu. Come to Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah, but it's awesome. And you know what? Some people like to taste the Kool-Aid. Yeah, cool. It tastes good sometimes, you know. And if, if if it tastes and it resonates with people, then they can drink it too. There's plenty of Kool-Aid to go around. Jiu-Jitsu is what feel, fuels my life and what inspires me to keep getting better and better. It's become, it's because I know this is a journey till the end that I'm able to ride with the ups and downs that are inherently part of it. We're not strong and sturdy. We're anti-fragile. We're not sturdy to the point where we can't be messed with. We do get messed with, but we adapt. 
and we get stronger as a result of that stress. And that's 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 different there too. That's different. I know it's how I keep myself healthy. It's how I socialize. It's how I contemplate my life's problems. Mm. It's my antidepressant. It's my beacon of fun in this crazy, beautiful world. Beyond the medals and the titles, the path of jiu-jitsu is one for life. Quote marks, for there is never so much joy in the tavern than on the road there too. That's uh, Luke Whiffen would like that, that little quote. And that was for you, Luke Whiffen. Uh, any thoughts, Maddie? Do jiu-jitsu. If you, if you love competing, do jiu-jitsu. If you don't want to compete and you love self-defense jiu-jitsu, do jiu-jitsu. Enjoy it. Be smart with the way you do it. Yeah. Make sure you're doing it for life. Yes. And, you know, whether you like to compete or not, this this isn't a podcast about, like, anti-competition because we're not anti-competition. No. Um, this, is a, this is a podcast to help you understand what the most important aspects of your jiu-jitsu journey are. And it is a podcast perhaps to inspire a little bit of thought into why you're doing jiu-jitsu the way you're doing it and hopefully with this by listening to this it can help you understand different aspects of jiu-jitsu and, and the fact that there are different ways of doing it as well and different intentions and if you're true to your intention of doing jiu-jitsu then that's how you're going to enjoy jiu-jitsu the most yep bring consciousness to everything you do uh, even the way you do jiu-jitsu I like it, Maddie. I like that so much. We're going to leave it there. Thank you, everybody. This was actually a second recording because me and Maddie messed up last week. Oh. Well, no, we did fine. The, 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 the app crashed. The car app crashed. Um, We're and like 40 minutes in. Yeah, but I hope everyone enjoyed this recording as well. Yep. Um, I had fun. Um, thank you, everybody. Yo, keep those fe- that feedback coming in. Um, it really makes us very excited and we love it. Um, and it makes us want to keep doing more and more podcasts people thank you so much you're all legends and we love you lots thank you very much us us